This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at two totally different films that hold your attention all the way. They are one about dynamic dancing, and that's Magic Mike's Last Dance, and the ultimate anti-war movie in the latest version of All Quiet on the Western Front. We also have news on upcoming movies from Peter Tonks of the Alice Cinema. What did you want before Miami? I just wanted to escape my life. I need you. Do you like bartending? It's not really what I do. What is it that you really do? But then you came along and gave me these unexpected, magical moments. In Magic Mike's Last Dance, Shanning Tatum again plays a dancer, but instead of being a stripper, he is asked to go to London to produce a stage production of dancing by a group of highly gymnastic men. Carolyn Brown's been off to the Silky Otter Cinemas at Wigram to see the third episode in this series. Uh, Carolyn, I found the best parts of this film were the dynamic dancing sequences. What did you think of Magic Mike's Last Dance? I would hate to be really cynical and say that that's the only reason people go to see this movie is for the dancing because it is quite spectacular. But this one did have a story to it. I mean, the other two have had stories to it, but this one had a better story to it, I You thought. reckon, yeah. 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 Well, it was done differently. It had a narrator, which is quite different. Yeah, the daughter. Of, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they tried to put more emotion into the film, so it just wasn't all about this, the dancing. Yeah. Well, this is, yeah, this is what sort of got me. There's quite a few of the reviews of this I'd read. They were critical of the fact that this one didn't have much of a background or oh. plot development or anything like that. that I sometimes it was wonder lacking, if... You know, I don't quite see this either. Yeah. Although, I must say, I, I could happily see this film again, but it would be for the amazing... Gymnastic dancing yeah. sequences. Yeah. In it. Although that I do have to note fantastic that fantastic stuff. There it? are a couple of scenes that I couldn't watch because of the sensitivity, light sensitivity, which was annoying. I hate it when movies do that. There's no reason to do that. Um, but yeah, so this film, there was a couple of very good dance scenes that I couldn't watch. Well. Yeah. I was really amazed. I mean, uh, 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 because uh, he is um, uh, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum, yeah. his character, Mike, um, he, he's taken to London by a um, character played by Selma Hayek. Yeah. And, um, and she wants him to put on a, a stage show with all of these dyna- dynamic dancers. <laughs> Male strippers, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Happen to be dancers. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but uh, yeah, so beyond that, um, 
I've heard some, yeah, the critics of it were that, that there's sort of just nothing much in the film. But this, to me, didn't matter. I could see this film again, but it would be, pure, like you said yeah, earlier, yeah. purely for purely, the dancing. Purely for it the does, dancing. I mean, it doesn't include the same... I mean, Mike, Chen, uh, Mike, Magic Mike, he's the only character that returns from the previous two films. Yeah. Um, you get brief cameos from the other American ones. So it's a completely new story in a way and it's done differently and they do try and develop the characters Magic Mike isn't the central character in this film I mean Selma Hayek her character is pretty much central to it as well and she's just stunning on screen Oh, she's, she's, she's such a str- strong character that she, she is she's just, and, and for uh, such yeah. a beauty that she is and, yeah. and she yeah. really but you also like he brings in the daughter as well so it's not so much just about the stripping. Yeah, well, this is the odd. No, I mean, this is the odd thing. I, I tend to think this was still a, a, basically a big exercise in, in dancing, the female but which had, had, to, had to be padded <laughs> out with some characters and stories. And this applies to why is it, what's that daughter doing in the yeah, film? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and and the same applies to um, that. Uh, uh, Selma Hayek, she's got this fellow working, an older man. Yeah, uh, the butler sort of, or the sort of, valet or the... And, uh, and he's around the helping. He well, essentially, he, he, he's her butler when yeah. you think about it. He does all those fiddly little things. And a personal assistant, but he also has a... I mean, his story doesn't go into it much as well. No, but the, 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 again, so I think it's that they are put in to pad out... Yeah, the, the the film and the thing about Soundheim, what he's uh, Soddenham, the director. Sorry, I can't get his last name right. Um, what he's known for is filming in spectacular locations, and definitely this is filmed in beautiful locations, including the theatre. It's an old theatre in in London, and the, her house is amazing, and the house in Miami is amazing, and just the locations yeah. are amazing. So for That's anything, right. you go and watch it just to step out of reality for a while, because it hmm. is a fantasy world yeah. that you're stepping well, into. Well, this, uh, it, one part of the film reminded me of another movie, and um, and that was um, Singing in the Rain. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, which oh, I like very much. Yeah. But in this film, they did it the other way. This one's Dancing in yes, the Rain. Yes, and it's a very <laughs> Well stage. I mean, how they they did that yeah. with all that water there. Yeah, I don't think it was really done in the theatre. <laughs> I, I doubt it very much. <laughs> as, uh, as Michelle, who came with us, said, she said, oh, I don't think that they would appreciate all that water, water. in the theatre. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to be careful with your dancing, too, otherwise. You would. I mean, the choreography is amazing in yep. the dancing. It is. Uh, they, they're very talented, the dancers. They're just amazing, yeah. But it's definitely. I'm glad you enjoyed it because I did wonder if it was just for women. Um, this this film, or yeah, but it's not, is it? <laughs> oh no, no, no. As I say, I could happily see that again for those amazing dancing yeah. sequences. Cool. Yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> That was Carolyn Brown with her views on Magic Mike's Last Dance, and I'm Hans Petrovic on Plains FM 96.9. With me now, is Peter Tonks of the Alice Cinema with news on some fascinating films coming to Alice's. These include previews of two action thrillers that's Cocaine Bear 
and Scream 6, which will be part of the Terrify Film Festival later this year. Um, Peter, I believe the events in the Cocaine Bear um, movie did actually happen. Yeah, well, apparently so. Um, probably not to the extent that's portrayed in the film, but um, but yeah, based on a based on a true event, someone ditched a plane that was full of cocaine, and this bear came and along. The bear came along and ate the bear, ate the it, yeah. cocaine, <laughs> and then took it out on other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I, I did a quick read up on it, and it sounds like. Um, he didn't it didn't go around causing too much mayhem, but but he was found with a, a yeah a lot of cocaine in him. So yeah, so, wow, um, it's just so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a bizarre story. Yeah, and, and and that one was filmed in New Zealand apparently in, in Auckland, oh. and um, Weta did the mocap, and there's a, a a guy in Wellington who apparently played the bear. So um, yeah, that's kind of got a home. Home sort of. Wow, yeah, that's, oh, that's good to know. Yeah, and no, I, no, I mean, I just, I, I, all I knew was that this is event supposed to have taken place in, in Georgia in the yes. United States. So I assume definitely an American film, automatic. but not yeah. yeah, but not. And also uh, Ray Ray Liotta's last film, apparently. Yeah, yeah I believe good he, God. Yeah, I believe he was working on one when he died. But this is the sounds like the last one he finished for yeah. before he died. So yeah. So a bit of a Kiwi connection. Yeah, and so the, so when can people um, get to actually yes. see this? No, well, it's coming up on the um, Wednesday the twenty second of Feb at eight thirty. This is a sort of a, um, a pr- Crushers premiere screening that's been presented by Terrify, um, and then they're also doing another one for Scream Six, which is coming up on the eighth of March. So that's that's ones that Terrify gets sort of an advance gets. Gives people a preview. It gives of people an opportunity a preview. Yeah. to get some idea what's coming later on. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So, so yeah. That, that's two. Yeah. That's two coming up with yeah. Terrify. So anyone yeah. who loves the festival mm. will love these little. Yeah. These little well, well, you have these uh, Terrify festivals each year now. Yes. And um, plus, now you've got a couple of these previews. Sneak previews. Sort of, sort yes. Of, uh, really, I mean, what, what the, to me they're sort of horror movies, that kind of thing, basically. But they are usually quality stuff no. that you get. It's, there. it's either sci-fi. Horror or sort of um, you know culty films, so they, they oh, yeah, seem I to see. vary from the whole, vary right through the whole lot. So um, yeah, a bit of variety and oddball, oddball little films, yeah, and quirky little stories. Did you get to a few last year or? Uh, no, I did last year and it came and went. <laughs> You've got to be quick. Okay, be I'll, quick. I'll be there this no, year. No, no, you got to be quick. <laughs> you got to be quick. Uh, but but yeah. those tickets for those two films are up on online now, so if, if they want to get tickets to those two, there's only one screening at the stage of each. Um, yeah, and, and, and did this uh, Scream, this seems to be based on uh, Scream 6, so this is a sixth one in a yeah, six, series. Yeah, sixth one it? in a series. Scream, Scream's been popular, I think, from the um, from the 80s or 90s. Um, I have to admit, I haven't haven't been a Scream follower, but that's um, but a lot of people are. Yeah. And, oh, well, it and, seems to have yeah. some sort of um, character in it called Ghostface. Ghostface, yes. Yeah, sort what's of a name? Sort yeah. of a, a droopy-looking ghost. I know all the fans will know what it is. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, they'll know him when they see him. <laughs> <laughs> they'll recognise him. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, you've, we've, we've all seen his face around the place, I, I have to admit. Uh, I've seen the posters. You probably would have seen it. Oh, yes, there, I yeah. see. Oh, okay, yeah. And, and another one, got coming up this week is the the Empire of Light which is the new Sam Mendes film which looks pretty pretty good that's on this Thursday the 16th um, for, we've got a preview screening of that on the at 16 so that one looks what's that one Empire of Light what's that about em, em, it's sort of a, about going to about the love of cinema I think and, and set, set in England um, you know Sam did American Beauty and 
two of the Bond films, Skyfall and, and Spitra, and in 1917, mm-hmm. another one of his films. So he's quite a quite a good director, and he's it's, it's, it's his latest one he's written and directed and produced. So, yeah, um, it looks looks quite a nice little film. Oh yeah, oh no, this is what I like about Alice is you you always seem to manage to come up. Well, I don't mean it's negative. We come up with some good films that I'd never heard of before. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I mean that's the whole point these days. With particularly with the art house cinemas, Hollywood's producing less films because of the COVID situation and all that. Yep. And so places like yourselves, more than the mainstream yes. cinemas, have got to go out digging look, quite look, deep look to more. find some good find films to show. Oh well that, thank you. Actually on that note, mm. funny you should say that I've put a little note here. I've I've um, met this guy recently, uh, he's a Kiwi guy but he's been living in America for about twenty or thirty years. He's he's been distributing DVDs and Blu rays. You know, around America, and he's got a company called Twilight Time, which he's, I think he's sort of closed up, but he's got all this old stock that he's bought to New Zealand. So he's given it to us. So we've got a, a bunch of uh, Blu-rays for sale with these great old films from the 70s and 80s and even older, some newer ones, and there's some great titles there. So we, we've got them sort of a little shelf we'll just set up, Twilight Time, mm-hmm. uh, Blu-rays, they're, they're $20 a Blu-ray, but there's some great stuff. Like uh, one I, I've got to watch Needle and... Um, uh, sorry, it's it's um, well, there's one I saw last night actually called The Model Shop, which was great. It's sort of apparently it's one that inspired uh, Quentin Tarantino's sort of uh, Once Upon a Time in America. Oh, so yes. it's got this real cruisy sort of driving, <clears throat> driving film, which is um, hmm. really laid back sort of one. Um, and what I was trying to say was the um, now I've forgotten his name, it's terrible. Um, who played the Godfather? The, the um, Al Pacino, Al Pacino's first oh. film, Needle in um, oh. some park. It's um, it's, it's it's a great one that's in this collection, and there's there's some great stuff. I've been, I've sort of pinged off about twenty of them now, so mm. checking them well, out. Uh, yeah, well, that's well worth coming. Al- I mean, th- we've got a few. Uh, yeah, come, got on, come, on, come to the shop. We've got who, we've got um, heaps for sale. If you want to go yeah. and look through, if you want to see something different, because I I hadn't seen them. Films. We we didn't have a lot of them. Like yeah. Alice, so yeah. I've been mm. getting them into the store for hire as well. Yeah, but yeah. There's a yeah. there's a great little. Great little bunch of Blu-rays there, and they've got little booklets that come with them. So, oh, little, wonderful! Little, so, uh, okay, you, you'd probably be into a few of them. So, Alice is a <laughs> place to go. <laughs> I would like to say. Okay, yeah. well, thank you very much. <laughs> That was Peter Tonks with news on some upcoming movies at the Alice Cinema. And I'm Hans Petrovic on Plains FM 96.9. I also thank the show's sponsor, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Morehouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website. That's assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, assetmanagers.co.nz.
In the third film version of the famous anti-war epic All Quiet on the Western Front, we again follow a young German soldier's experiences and distress on the fighting front with France during World War I. Robin Munro's been off to the Lumiere cinemas to see this intense film, which has been nominated for nine Oscars, including Best Picture. What did you think of All Quiet on the Western Front? Well, it's a kind of modern take on, I think, what's seen as a very old war today. But um, some ways we're seeing today some echoes of what happened then um, in Ukraine, trench warfare again. Um, but yes. it, it, it's also an update um, because I think the earlier films couldn't show with, with digital effects and drones and things. It's just the horror of war on grand scale. And uh, this film certainly does it well. It's, it's a very large vision. Of the of the scenery that these poor men were were put into. Yes, I mean this is sort of my basic attitude towards this film. Um, I mean I don't particularly like war films all that much, you know? and this one is pretty intense, heavy going, and uh, as such. But nevertheless, this film would go into my top ten for the year for amazing filmmaking because it's really captures all the grittiness of being there down in those trenches and, um, and you know, and all this sort of thing. And um, it captures captures it all so well. This is, ama- to me, amazing filmmaking. And uh, the ironic thing also is, of course, that this is a, basically a, a German version of, mm-hmm. of uh, what a film that's crit- set in Germany and can be seen as critical of the German... Military, military. Oh, it is. It is. Mm. Uh, And and, I mean, Hitler didn't like the book. It's based on a book. Um, And he didn't like the film. Um, And Eric uh, Maria Remarque, uh, the author, was also chased out of Germany by the Nazis. And this is certainly not a film to glorify war. Um, but it is, it's also a film in some ways about naivety. We see these schoolboys very enthusiastic and thinking, oh, we'll be in Paris. Yeah, I was, was there a professor, at the, at sco- or a teacher at school who, who'd, um, you know, sort of... Told pushed, them some tall tales. Yeah, tales, yeah, to push them on to... And then on the first night, one of them is killed. And, you know, the way even that the hero discovers that he's killed, he sees this guy's glasses in the mud after shelling. <laughs> oh, and yeah. it, 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 it really is a... Some very strong images in this film. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting that um, Remark, uh, the the author of well, this book was first published in 1928 by um, Remark, and then it was already made into a film, a Hollywood film, in 1930, two years later, and won an Oscar for best uh, yes. picture at that time. Yeah, I mean that's amazing stuff. But the amazing thing about um, Remark is that he claims that he did not uh, make the film so much as a as a critical anti-war film. He just wanted to make it more like a a reminiscence of his own experiences, which he which he had. Uh, he had been in, in, in the in, trenches in the trenches himself, yeah. and um, and it's because of that that uh, you know that he he was sort of pushed on to making to writing this book about what he had experienced then, but not necessarily um, criticizing the Germans for what they'd done or anything like that. 
The film's got a, a sort of new twist uh, to it too, though, because it talks about the uh, discussions that led to the armistice, to the end of World War One, which of course makes the sacrifice of any of these soldiers also a bit desperate. You sort of think, well, if they could only have been there, arrived there a few weeks later, then they might not have been killed. <laughs> and it kind of sets a bit of a ticking clock because we know that uh, at least one of the German negotiators wants to end the war right now. He doesn't see any point in any more lives being lost after millions have already been lost. Yeah, yeah, yes. It's uh, another interesting thing is that the, the film, I've seen some comments on this version um, that uh, that of the there's two other film versions made of this, the one that I mentioned and then another later one in 1979. And um, But uh, the, the, the other two versions um, followed the book pretty closely in what they did but that uh, this one doesn't do that um, so much that um, that many of the characters and portions of the stories are absent have been taken out and I gather something was added at the end the ending that final yes I, I, conflict I, well we should be careful what you say about it but yes um, um, uh, some of the things did not occur and some of the things that were in, <laughs> in, in the book are not in this film I, I mean many people will know it I read it at school and it wouldn't surprise me at all mm. if it's still quite required reading the book is is very well known and um um, it is considered, I think, uh, perhaps the leading, or certainly one of the leading anti-war uh, books. Yeah. And uh, got any idea, how has this film been um, accepted in Germany today? Well, not, not not so well. Because Why not? The, because they are very familiar with the book. And, ah. uh, you know, when it's a kind of beloved book in some ways, if, if you know, I guess people feel that they should follow the book more closely. <laughs> okay. Oh well, that's fair enough then. But uh, yeah, but the, you know, it's uh, to me the uh, it, it really sort of took me back into those trenches again. That is a terrible feeling. How, how anybody could hope to survive in, in those things? And who used to go around digging those trenches for them beforehand? No, they soldiers did that themselves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <have> yeah. <laughs> oh well. Anyway, I, I, that'll be around a little bit, at, uh, and. Uh, and may do well yet at the Oscars and at the BAFTAs, the British yes. Film Awards. Yes. It's up for a, a whole stack of reward, awards, a lot of them technical, but it, the film is worth seeing for its technical aspects too. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, Robin. That was Robin Munro with his views on All Quiet on the Western Front. And I'm Hans Petrovic, inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday, and you can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on the Plains FM website. That's plainsfm.org.nz. Music